Anything combat with Johnny K. Well, it's anything combat though. Welcome back and that is the anything combat show where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host Johnny K and today we're joined by MMA fighter Australia's own. He's from Australia top team coming off an impressive win. USN champion. His name's Farouk. 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 I fucked up the name. It's a difficult name brother. Calabar. <laughs> yeah. And um, my whole life, everyone struggled with. It. Sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I'm just like I'm just like everybody else. I should be I should be better than that. You know what I mean? I'm from I'm from like your you're from Iran and uh Turkey. I'm from Greece. Which is like I should be good with the names. You know? There's a bit of beef there, right? <laughs> tell me about tell me about the USN win. How do you feel about doing that? Well, honestly, I feel really good, man. Um, uh, after winning the lightweight title and then moving up a weight to fight. For the waterway belt, bro. Like, um, uh, it, it was just a this fight for me, bro. It was it was a very important fight, um, because my I mean, obviously, I versed a very tough opponent, but uh, I came into that fight with the mindset to show everyone that like that all these years of fighting, you know, I've polished my myself and and um and and my goal was to not make one mistake, bro. My coach, uh, Ash, in the back told me, um, conduct yourself as a professional and go out there and, and don't make one mistake. And, and that was actually the plan, bro. And uh, there was not one part of that fight where I made one mistake. And I got hit once that whole time. What are you planning on doing now with your career? Um, with my career now, bro, uh, this is my goal. Uh, Nick, oh, so I want to, I want to turn pro now and, um, I want to get to about four and oh and fight on Dana White's contender series. Um, I, I just believe I, I, I honestly, like when Dana White meets me, I think he's just going to have a boner for me, bro, because, um, putting on a show is something that is so easy for me to do. Like, I, I just go out there and I have fun, man. Like. You don't understand how much I love bashing people in front of a big crowd. Like, it's so fun. Yeah, like, um, yeah, it's just... But uh, when I look at other fighters, they, uh, I just feel like they're so concerned about the actual fight. And, bro, the whole reason why I do this is to entertain the crowd, you know? But I don't do it in a way where, like, uh, I, I lose myself. I do it through my fighting. So if they know what's in the crowd, bro, it's just... The guy's gonna sign me a hundred percent, but there's no way he's not gonna. <laughs> Are you sure about that? But uh, I'm telling you now, I'm I'm certain. Thing. <laughs> Would you? Even if I even if I get humped for a whole round or something like that, and it, it win, lose, or draw, I will get signed. I believe that. So would you go eternal or hex for your professional uh, debut? Um, honestly, like that's something I never discussed with my manager because. Um, uh, any promotion in Australia like would want me on their show. Um, it's just about who who's gonna give me the best offer and what um offer I can get because I'm I'm here to develop a relationship with the show, bro. I'm not loyalty is a big thing for me. Um, you're not gonna see me jumping from show to show. Um, I want to build a platform somewhere with a with a with a promotion like I have with Urban Fight Night. Um, to to get to the UFC, like, um, uh, I, I, after I dominate, then I'll move on from there, you know. I like to finish where I start, and when I finish where I start, I like to go to the next chapter, you know. And I feel like at, uh, at Urban Finite as an amateur, bro, I've done what I've needed to do, you know. There's not one amateur in the whole country that has pretty much done what I've done, bro, you know. When I go to Thailand and train with people there, um, they kind of freak out when they find out that, that, uh, that I'm an amateur, you know. And, um, it's just, it's just purely based on my team and the way we conduct ourselves, you know? When you go to Thailand, I saw you were at Tiger Muay Thai. How often do you go to Tiger? Um, so like the past, I've been to Thailand about five times, four times, I think. Um, I always go to Tiger cause we have a, we have a pad holder there. Um, uh, his name's Don. He's really good there. Like he's, he's one of the more smarter type pad holders. Um, kind of, he can kind of hold for my style, you know. He understands a bit of swag, like he's just real good, man. You know, um, and the thing I like about Tiger is it's like a hostile environment for me, cause um, like, I like 
I love going in somewhere and, you know, everyone wants to rip my hair off. Um, and, and that's how they that rip shit off. No one, they, <laughs> or they, they try to, but yeah, like, like it's just hated, you know, like they, they're like, oh, who's this kid, you know? And then, um, like, uh, I just look at it as like a, like, it's, it's a fight, you know, like the first, first few guys I spied, like the, they were like nine and one. Professionals, ten out of professionals, you know, from like Dagestan, Kazakhstan, or wherever. And I didn't know all this till afterwards. And then I was like, "Fuck, these guys are pretty shit." Like, I got I got young guys at my gym that are like 15, 16 that are that that will put a clinic on these guys, you know. Um, so it just goes to show that talent, the quality we have in Australia, it's actually very high. It's just the benefit of going to Thailand for me is that I'm up against people I've never seen before. So how quick I can make reads. And how quick I can learn what they're doing is actually what I'm trying to do. Hood, uh, I just heard you say about like the young guns in Australia, like their striking being of like a high quality, right? You were talking about the Kazakhs and the Dagestanis with decent striking, but you know, they're known for their grappling and all the rest, right? But dude, I'm telling you right now, I swear Australia has such striking. It's such an underrated um country for mma striking how do you feel about that 100 percent, bro like um uh when i the first time i went to thailand funny thing is um uh i i never used to like wrestling because i i used to have an ego about it being like like it's kind of pussy to wrestle you know but like that like that's just kind of the culture that we have here you know like we're having a scrap you know like let's have a go give the people what they want to see but the way they see it, because of um, the development in, like, their country and stuff, like, they have a lot of um, tournaments and, like, competitions where it's, like, one five-minute round and that's a fight. So it's kind of like strike, strike, strikes to take down. So they're really good at doing that. Um, what do you mean by the five-minute round? They only get one round? What is that? So it's kind of like the grappling competitions we have here. Like, you have a round robin. But they'll have that for MMA. That's uh, stupid. Well, it, it is stupid, but it, it kind of explains their style. Like, if you think about it, like all the Russian fighters in that, it, they, they have a good one round. And then when it goes kind of past that, their style falls apart. Does that make sense? That's why in Australia, we're so good. Because, cause bro, we're, we're, like, I learned wrestling at my gym. I learned how to do jiu-jitsu at my gym. I didn't grow up wrestling. I didn't have college wrestling and whatever and all this stuff. So we kind of have to, we kind of have to learn how to deal with those people. So that's why we have very good takedown defense. And, and we, when we wrestle, it's offensive. When they, when, when, what I noticed when I was um, sparring them, when you ride that wave and when you defend that takedown and you get up and they look at you like they're fucked. They're like, fire out bro and then that's when your strikes just tee off tee off tee off or if you take them down first that's when that's when their um their confidence disappears because they rely a lot on their gas tank and they have good gas tanks but not for a long period of time you know what i mean it's all the mind the mindset um they kind of grapple out of out of like that's the only thing they know how to do they can't stand and strike with you the whole time you know yeah, that Australian counter-wrestling style with, like, you've got your JDM and you've got your Whitaker and you've got your Volkanovski now. Dude, I would consider them, like, top top three strikers in their divisions. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. Australia, Australia right now, who do you think is on the come-up that you see, like, at your gym that you think will do well? Or would you just pick yourself? Um, look, look, um... Besides myself, bro, like my, my one of my main training partners, Josh Togo, he he's just he just got um, a, co- a contract on Brave. Um, he's fighting the uh, wrestling coach of KHK Dagestan, you know, um, uh, at Brave in Indonesia. Like, bro, this guy, uh, I remember starting looking at him and thinking, like, you know, like he's not even that good, and now. Bro, this guy's dominated the Australian scene. He's went to the UAE, fought in a weight division above his division. You know, bashed the guy for five rounds. And now he's fighting a guy from 
from Dagestan, who's the wrestling coach of KHK, which is like well, one of the most notorious gyms there. And I'm telling you now, I thought he was bad. Well, when I started, he was he was a rookie, you know. Like he wasn't that he he like he wasn't he wasn't as good as what he was now. It's just it's just crazy because like it was just so consistent, you know. His career, he's had ups and downs, and he's just persevered. And and now, bro, he's like one of the best. Like he's actually one of, like to take him down or to try and wrestle with him, it's nearly impossible. When people watch him, they think, oh, you know, I'll just grab him, but it's. It's really hard. Like I, I can't remember the last time Togo has taken down in a fight. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm training alongside people like him, Raymar Quintana, like elite strikers, bro. Um, all, all my training partners, even the young kids that I train with, bro, their jujitsu is way better than my jujitsu. The new generation is is like making me so much better because I have to stay ahead. And these these kids are hungry, man. Like they're gonna get way better than me, you know. We've got a question about that jujitsu, right? So when you're in those grappling systems, and your people keep on thinking in MMA, oh, let me just let me just do jujitsu in MMA. Like it doesn't work, right? Because of the striking whilst you're in your transitions. Do you try and incorporate if you're like, let's say, in like half guard, try and incorporate the striking to get into a separate position like a new position do you try that as if i when i'm on top yeah as well as like even even on bottom it's more like um, i've seen a real hole in a lot of mma fighters games in even in the ufc that they try and only do when it's in the jujitsu they go okay their brain shuts off to the striking and that's why you can clip them kind of like when we saw jack beret with evan holland like evan holland yeah instead of even 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 kids bring the jiu-jitsu he just punched them you know what i mean you can catch people off guard in those random positions is that something you're trying to work on um look man if i'm on my back i'm getting up if i'm on top i'm striking and i'm i'm gonna cave your head and that's that's how i think until you give me the finish you know i'm always thinking about position pinning something striking and then regaining my position when you move you know um i'm not gonna go for a submission until you give it to me like that's that's my mindset on it. If I'm on my back, I'm not playing jiu-jitsu. I'm getting up. Like if you look at like people like, for example, um, Ryan Hall, right? Really, really good like leg locker, whatever. You know, he's probably tapped a hundred people out of it. But then when he fought Ilya Tapura, like, and Ilya Tapura is a gunner jiu-jitsu, such an underrated black belt. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not even an underrated black belt. He's just a black belt that understands that jiu-jitsu doesn't work in MMA like it does in jiu-jitsu. Does that make sense? When you got someone on top of you that wants to put it on you and cave your head in, playing guard is not going to really work that well. Yes, you can catch people. You can catch people in an armbar. You can catch people in a triangle or whatever. But if the person knows what they're doing and they're not afraid to be in your guard and wanna, and they want to be aggressive, you're going to have trouble, man. Like, the UFC is... It's, it's different. It's in a cage. Like it's not designed for just BJJ. It's more designed for like the best strikers in the UFC have good wrestling. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of relationships with that. With you know, you faint the takedown, and then that's where your punches come in from. That right? Like I understand. That's why Kamaru Usman's such an underrated like striker. But I do have to say that uh, I've been I have been seeing more strikers implement straight wrestling kind of like your Corey Sandhagen you're seeing strikers trying to shoot takedowns now which which wasn't happening before that's just innovation yeah that's right the game's changing always man like the days of like where people could just be a striker like like people like McGregor or something they're kind of over bro like like so the fights that just happened uh we had like under 18s fight in New South Wales they just changed the war where under 18s can fire the cage what do they have? Do they have headgear? Nah, bro, just puffies. No shin guard, nothing. Like, it's just puffies. Puffy and leg gloves. And, bro, like, I'm thinking about it. When I had my first fight, I had six months of jiu-jitsu experience, and I burst a, a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, right? Now, all these kids, bro... Is that the guy that you knocked out? Yeah, 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 yeah. With the uppercut, right? That's right, yeah. Um, 
the and all the young kids now, bro, they all have a good guard. They all have they all have crazy jits. Like, you know what I mean? Like the game has changed. Everyone knows how to grapple now. It's evolving. It's more about game plan strategy now. As whereas before, it's like okay, who's better at striking? Who's better at this? Who's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. When I look at people's topology, right, I want to see if they're about it or they're not. And the best way, the best indicator I can see is if there's heaps of cancelled bouts, right? It means two things, one of two things. The first thing, this fight is a bitch, right? Like, let's say, I know it's sad to say Paulo Costa, but he did pull out of Ikram, did pull out of uh, Whitaker, did pull out of Hamza Chemaev, right? Uh, and... Yeah, shit like that. That's bullshit, right? And then there's the second fighter, which everybody else is cancelling to fight him. Now, personally, I think you're a guy that people don't want to fight you for some reason, so they keep cancelling on you. Yeah. Bro, um, I've had, I've had, like, I think three people put that on me. Um, I think it was four. Oh, four? Yeah. Um, two of those occasions, um... It's just ages ago. COVID was one factor, actually. I was scheduled to fight, and COVID, um, the lockdown just happened, and we couldn't fight. And um, before that, um, I think the guy was in training, wasn't taking it seriously. I, there's a lot of excuses people use, bro. Like, at the end of the day, bro, for me, like, if you if you pull out, it's just like, it's again, it's up to you. Like, it's, your, it's an excuse. The, the fight I had for the welterweight belt, bro, I did it with a broken hand. Like, I actually had a fractured hand three weeks before I got into a fight on the street. And I broke Is that when the train? Yeah. <laughs> it, was my, it was my first street fight, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that real. I, I couldn't believe that that was your first street fight. Are you being serious? Like, like you're telling me you never got into a scrap outside of the cage. My first one I won was my first ever big one. That's fucked up. Yeah. And bro, you know what? It was actually like it was so fun. Like the street fight was actually so fun. Like it was it was like I kind of felt like I was fighting someone that like just walked into the gym and was like, hey, you know, I've tried boxing for this time. <laughs> like, you know, I've uh, I've I've had like ten fights wherever and you know they're talking shit. I can't get three gloves on. Bro, it was just like, it was like a little game. Like, it just felt like a game for me. My uh, question for you is when that guy started arcing up to you, right? And he kept on asking you questions. Why did you say to him, all right, like conversations done after the first, like after when he re-asked you the question, like, don't you think you kind of instigated him? Um, bro, I, uh, well, I was on the phone, bro. Like, I think I want to feel like you were on the phone. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was on the phone, bro, and I just didn't want to talk to him. Like, I don't like to talk to people I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, what for? Like, you're asking me a dumb question, like... Like, <laughs> like I don't know, bro. Like, I just... Look, I didn't instigate him to fucking... To punch me, but... Like... uh, I, I wasn't it being the nicest person as well. Bro, and plus, I was cutting weight. Like, I was, when I cut weight, I get moody, bro. Like, it's shit. Cutting weight is shit. You know, like everyone who's knows how shooting is like, you know. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that situation, bro. Having a broken head, I could have pulled out and I did it. And what I realized from that, bro, you go on a you go on a battle like, like think about it. Uh, if you have the confidence to go to war with a broken fucking head and you lose or you win or whatever, you're you're not a coward. Like, you know what I mean. Like Paulo Costa's a coward. Paulo Costa. I do have to say, I do have to say, Hood, about um pulling out with these with these Dagestanis, right? What they do is if the circumstances are not the best for them, they leave immediately, right? We saw this with Khabib a lot. If it's a bad weight cut, if it's um not the ideal opponent or not the ideal circumstances or not where they want to be fighting, they'll leave. Makachev's kind of changing the new guard by being a little bit more active as well as um, fighting uh, internationally. But, dude, even he is fucking rematching uh, people that he's already beat knowing that he can beat them again, right? 
someone like uh, Khabib, even Khabib's cousin, Umar, the second he got his shoulder hurt, he pulled out, right? If we keep on seeing this. If you look at the stats on who wins and who pulls out, it's usually that region of fighting. And then if your name has Magomed, Magomedov in it, like in the surname or the first name, you have like an 87% chance of winning. So these guys, man, they do have it ironed out. It is, if I don't feel comfortable, I just won't fight. Now you're saying the Australians and the Americans, we've got kind of a different mentality. We're like, if we're going to rock up and we have something that's kind of fucked us up, we're still going to rock up and try our best, right? They don't think like that. They think like we need to get the win. Do you think that's wrong? Bro, you know what? Whether it's right or wrong is actually irrelevant. What they're doing is smart, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like boxing, right? Like uh, picking and choosing when to fight, like fighters. Mayweather's done that his whole career. You know, he's fought people prior to their prime. He's fought people past their prime. It's just that's what fighting is. You know what I mean? Like it's it's about making the right choices. Now the the Russians have been doing this shit for a very very long time. The thing that we as the Australians that we have is because the MMA scene is quite small. We need to take as many opportunities as we can. Now, someone like Khabib, if he pulls out because he's had a bad wake up or whatever, he knows, bro, he can just get the same fight again. Like, does that make sense? Of course, but even with Khabib, there's two fighters that he fucking hated the style and he was scared of them, right? By scared, I, I know no fighter's scared of a, another man, right? I'm saying more that he knows that he's probably going to lose that fight. It was when he was early in his career against Donald Cerrone. Cerrone was in his prime. He could wrestle. He could uh, strike. He had really good Muay Thai. It was a bad stylistic matchup for Khabib. And then the other one was Tony Ferguson on his Instagram. Uh, he pulled out of Donald's fight like three times. And of the Tony fight, he pulled out heaps. Of, I think he got scheduled and cancelled five times or some shit. But if they know their style's beaten, they just won't fucking participate. Yeah. Well, bro, you know what? If he didn't do that, this is how I see it, yeah? If I was him, this is how I see it. If he did take the fight and he did do all that and he lost, he would have lost. But because it never happened, he never lost. And now he's 50 and I or whatever it is. And that's like, bro. For, like, he's... Oh, tw sorry, 29 and I. Is that? Yeah. Um, uh, Like... He's 29 no. That's it. <laughs> and and we can just speculate. We can just keep talking about it and thinking about whatever, but because it never happened, we can't say shit. You know what I mean? One Russian. Yeah, go on, sorry. Like that's the game, bro. Look, look at Sean O'Malley's career, bro. You know, he's the champ right now. But who are here in good no one? Besides Che Rivera and he fucking smoked him. You know what I mean? Shorter and Aljo. Yeah, but see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, he got to that point and got tested at the top. Against a stylistic matchup that he could have beaten, yeah. Like, bro, Khabib's first 13 fights were against Cairns, bro. Yeah, made by his father, I believe. Yeah, and, and his first test was in UFC. So, bro... He's got good management, you know? Like, in Thailand, I realized all this shit, right? Bro, there was so many guys on the mats. I'll look up. 9 and 1. 10 and 0. 15 and 3. 11 and 2. Whatever. And I'm thinking, bro, these guys have fucking mad records, bro. But then I looked at them, and I'm like, none of these guys would ever get signed. Do you know why? Because, why? bro, they can't speak English. Yeah. I'm talking about the UFC here. They can't speak English. They don't look for the finish. Okay? There's no wow factor. They're just kind of good at everything a bit. Alright? And they look the fucking same as the next guy that has a record that's probably better or similar to him. Hood, let me tell you something. If I saw you down the street and you said your name was Gadzi Magomedov, I would say, listen, brother, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest with you, bro. Some of them are really, 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 really good, man. Like, uh, I got bashed by this middleweight. It was, bro. Honestly, one like training. Like, yeah, like with Spard, is so. I had, I had, um, I had the 
uh, Thailand belly. Like I just got there and I got food poisoning and sparring with what the fuck gave you food poisoning uh it's the water bro something about it like everyone got sick on the street like everyone on the street was um sick and the um sparring was on that the next day and i had to go bro like i had to i, I remember i tapped my stomach and it hurt and then i was sparring this middleweight he's in one bro this guy taped me and my stomach was like like it hurt so much. Like um, I can usually cop body shots, no problem. Muay Thai or MMA fighter? Uh, he's an MMA fighter, but he's a, but he's a Russian kickboxing champion or whatever. Like all that bullshit. Anyways, bro, when this guy taped me, my stomach was like, Ugh. and then like these guys know how to draw you into a striking fight, and then just drop for a takedown. You know what I mean? Like they they some of them are very very good. But a lot of them are just average. And that's what I realized. And their average is a whole lot higher, like wrestling-wise. So they're kind of just fucking all the same. You know what I mean? There's no wow factor. <laughs> Let me ask you something. So we just said, right, they handpick their opponents, right? There are people like, the best example I can give you is the skill level doesn't match their record. So you've got, for example, let's say Shavkar Rackman, one of my favorite fighters, 17 and 0. And then you have Jeff Neal, 15 and poor. And Jeff Neal and him beat the shit out of each other. And it was a very close fight. And guess what? Jeff had staff infection going into that fight, right? So if it was that close and Jeff was injured or, or ill or whatever the fuck, that just goes to show you that the record doesn't... Um, really show who that uh what that person's skill level is why wouldn't you in the position that you're in follow suit with what the dagestanis and all the caucus people are doing right and get this fucking spectacular looking record and then build your fucking brand off that don't you think that don't you think that even though even though you're not gonna feel like oh i took all the fights i could have dude you're gonna get way more money in your pocket no um but honestly, I don't do this for the money, man. I do this for, um, for, like, for, for my, it's, it's, I want to, I want to, bro, what I want to do is I want to make it to, I want to be the most entertaining fighter of all time, like, you know, and I feel like to do, to achieve that, I, I need to get tested in the right way. And each fight, I need to learn something from it. If I keep fighting cans and icing cans, I'm not going to learn anything from it. So, every fight I do, I, it needs to make me better. So, if I need to get tested to get better, I will do that. If I need to fight, if I need to, like, I've been, like, everyone I fight just tries to take me down anyways. Like, that's the truth. Look at that, I want to strike with you. Yeah, like, they just want to take me, like, everyone just wants to take me down. They think my grappling is shit. But, realistically, bro, I actually pay attention to my grappling the most. The only reason why you always see me strike is because, bro, I give the fans what they want to see. I'm always looking for that finish. And um, my, my goal being fighting on the Contender Series, I want to fight in front of Dana White, bro. And I want to put a hole through someone's face while he's sitting there watching me, you know what I mean? So, What would you want to get him with? Like a knee head kick? What would you want? Bro, anything, man. Like, whatever, the, whatever presents itself, bro. Like, um, it's... Uh, I just all I all I want to achieve is uh, the the whole purpose of my career is to get exposed to all different styles. So when I come against someone, I go, oh, he's kind of like this guy out for. He's kind of like this guy out for. This guy out for. And then what I can do is when I actually make it to the big stage, and I get matched up with I don't know some guy, I go, okay, I can relate to how he's gonna fight with me, you know. But if I always fight cans, and then when I make it there and I end up with some a guy I've never fought before, some style I've never fought before, bro. I'm gonna get smoked, and that's not the goal, bro. That's my career starts when I make the UFC. When I make the UFC is when everything begins. You know what I mean? Like one fighter, one fighter that actually brought up exactly what you're saying was uh, Jose Shorty Torres. He was one of the most out of the top three most accomplished amateur MMA fighters of all time. And he said on the show, he's fighting in Brave right now. He said on the show, he, one of my mates. Who did he fight? Uh, 
um, uh, Nikosi. Oh, really? Uh, is his first name uh, Indebele? That's his last name. Okay, Inkosi Ndebele. South African guy. How'd you how'd you meet uh Inkosi? Um so one of my teammates fought on brain and um we went to Bali to corner him. Me and my coach, Ash, and uh I met Nikosi there, bro. He's really, really good man. Like wow, that guy's so good. So yeah, as I was saying, so Inkosi's actually a great fighter, right? Jose beat him. So Jose like you can MMA math doesn't work. They're both very good fighters. Jose was telling me that if you can get, he had like a twenty-five and one amateur record or something. He had heaps of titles in the amateurs, right? He basically said if you can get your first twenty fights in your amateur or even twenty fights in total, you've really found every single style that you're going to run into. And that's why he said he he said that he equates his professional um mma career and experience and achievements through the fact that he first started preliminarily um building his uh fight iq by fighting all these different styles so it kind of validates what you're saying that if you can get that experience and fight all those styles when you get into the professionals you can um use things that works up against that style for someone that's much harder how do you feel about that yeah, the, the, what, what he's saying is right, bro. But the thing is, like, what he, what I think he doesn't realize is that um, there's a psychological factor in MMA as well in your career. Um, and see, someone like Nakosi hasn't has had as many fights as him, but Nakosi's got a wow factor that he doesn't really have. And I feel like the more well-rounded you become, the less wow factor you have. Kind of like GSP problem. Yeah, GSP problem. Um, like Demi is Magulov as well. Like when you're really good at everything, you're kind of boring. Does that make sense? I, I totally agree with you. What a weird fighter to pick. Demi is Magulov. He's got great boxing, decent wrestling. And then when you watch his fights, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, because he's just too clean at everything. And there's no, like, there's no, like, wow, he's really good at this or really good at that. That's why. I think, uh, like, focusing on one, like, aspect of fighting and trying to get everything else good at the same time is kind of makes you stand out a bit more, you know? Like, like, do you want to be like Justin Gaethje or do you want to look like, you know, the other guys, like, in the top 100 or top 50 or whatever? Like, Gaethje's... Ga people want to watch Gaethje because he just throws bombs, you know, and he's just trying to ice people out, you know? And... That's what sells, bro. That's that's all they care about. What sells? That's it's a show. It's not. It's nothing but a show. There's heaps of great teams right now in Australia. They're producing so much talent. Tell me about Australian top team. Is that the best team in Australia, or do you think another team kind of um, is above you guys? Bro, look, there's a lot of good teams in Australia right now. Um, there's a lot of teams producing really good fighters, you know, from all states. Uh, but the difference between Everyone else at APT, bro, is that our gym, bro, we're just about it. We just, we, we kind of, uh, we, we kind of come up from nothing, man. Like, we, we, our coach paved the way, learned from scratch and built the whole, what, learned as he went, you know. Like, when I first went to the gym, I, I remember watching him in his UFC debut. And now when I think about it, I go, fuck, back then we think about shit, like, compared to now and because of that we have just such a different bond loyalty like as a team where is like that's so important in mma bro because when you get a thailand like when i go to tiger you can see that there's no loyalty in the room like everyone's out there for themselves everyone's ready to shit on that person to get somewhere or whatever and everyone's an opportunist and i realized in fighting and mma everyone is an opportunist people will use you to get their own gain, you know? Like, after my fight last night, uh, I got, like, messages on WhatsApp saying, hey, I'm a management, I'm a manager for this and that. We're, we're really interested in working with you, yada, 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 whatever. And I'm just like, I go, bro, why the fuck would I do that? Like, you know, like, I have a manager already. No one's going to look after me more than someone who's built me from nothing. 
Does that make sense? Of course. Was. Like even when I went to Thailand, I uh, like they were they were saying, "Oh, if you want to fight a one limb penny, we can get you a fight wherever." And then I thought about it. I go, "Bro, what are we gonna fucking achieve from that?" You know, like I'm not. That would be fun as fuck, bro. Yeah, but bigger and better things, bro. You're telling me you're telling me you you think going elsewhere instead of one championship, which is the second biggest promotion in the world, you're saying that bigger and better things are there for you. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred and ten percent. Tell me about uh Ash. So how important is he to your career and how much uh, of the success at ATT can you equate to his involvement? Bro, him and Suman, his brother, um, Honestly, without them, like, uh, I would, uh, I would be nothing, man. Like, traveling around the world and like training in Dubai, training in Thailand, and seeing all these, all these other coaches and that, the way they they pour their heart out to us and give us all that like information and knowledge, it's honestly priceless, bro. Like, um, I can, bro. Like, I can't even, I can't even say enough words to thank them. Like, all the shit they put me through. All the hard yards I've been pulled through, all the tests that they put me through, like I just realized that they've believed in me way more than I've believed in myself since day one. And why would they believe in you? No, like the like I remember, bro. I I used to shit myself when I'd get matched up. Like I know after my first fight, I didn't want to fight ever again because all I wanted to do was just knock someone, you know. And it happened at my first fight, but then after that, I was like, oh fuck, I'm gonna do this shit again. And they kept trying to match me up. They kept trying to match me up. And then I'd, like, I'd get a bit, like, worried about it. I'm like, fuck, like, when am I going to lose, you know? But, like, they wanted me to experience all that shit. They wanted me to experience all that shit because they knew if I overcome it, I'm going to become so much better. Uh, if I overcome it, I'm going to become even better, even better. And they, and they already knew all this shit before I knew it. But, like, naturally, you just, you, you either fight the demons in your head or you know you trust them and like it's like looking back bro i just i, I used to doubt myself so much man and these guys believed in me it's crazy bro like uh, i thank them i can't i can't thank them enough for that when did you first meet them um at att bro at the gym so you just rocked up one random day and they were there well the i had some i knew someone that was training there and um, they told me, he told me, uh, I told them, I go, bro, I want to spar somewhere. And they're like, go to, he's like, go to ATT, bro, on a Saturday and go do sparring. And our sparring, bro, it's notorious for like, rough, you know, it's proper. And then, um, I'll wrap What's up the point in that. Isn't that just brain damage? Um, well, not really, man. Like, it is, but like, at the same point, like, that's why I'm really good. Because, bro, I've been, like, all right, for example, in Thailand, the the coaches say at Tiger, they go, guys, no knees to the head and no spinning heel kicks to the head, okay? Even if you have knee pads on, all right? So automatically when you spar, you know you can't get knee to the face, okay? Yeah, so it's not prepping you. When you go for a takedown, you have a different level of confidence and it's bullshit because that guy they're up for the other night, yeah, I knew when I backed him up to that cage, he was going to go for a takedown. And because of all these people I've been in the face of the gym inspiring, that's why I landed that knee so clean. And how many times I've been there in the face, that's why I learned how to knee people in the face. And that's what I mean. Like, we do stuff like that. Like, we allow that. We say, yeah, you can knee in the face. Don't get near in the face. You have a, you have a choice, bro. Like, it's not like, it's not like a beginner walks in and we smack the fuck out of him. It's not, bro. If you're a batter, there's none of these little bullshit, don't knee him in the face, don't this, don't that. You got helmet pads on for helmet pads. It's all good. Obviously, it's controlled, but, you know, if it gets hated, back it up. That's how we are, you know? And some people sink and some people swim, but that's the name of the game, bro. You either build your confidence or you, you give it to someone else. That's what I was saying, you know? Someone on the show said something similar about the jiu-jitsu. Why the fuck would you do jiu-jitsu not being in the submission already, like already getting choked out? Like you're just going to quit like how Cyril Gunn did against John Jones. Instead of fighting the choke, standing up or doing anything and then passing out, he just chose to tap. 
they said that you shouldn't you should be putting yourself in a terrible position not tap and work your way out of the choke and if you're at your absolute end and you've tried your best to get out of everything then you can tap of course it's just training but it's the fact that why are you giving up so easily in training you're just prepping yourself to give up in the cage yeah well bro like if I was in a Renekin choke, I would never tap out. I would fight my way out of it the whole time. And if I fall asleep, I fall asleep. Um, sometimes in the gym, my coach will say, um, no tap rule for Renekin choke. So if you get in a Renekin choke um, and you have it on, uh, you're not allowed to tap. You have to get out or you're going to go to sleep. And bro, how bad is that for you if you if you just go out instead of getting like knocked out? Like what's the difference between getting knocked out and getting choked out? Is it still the, as bad for your brain? Um, look, bro, I'm not a doctor, but I, I'd say it's not good for your brain, but do you know what it's good for? It's good for getting ready for someone that wants to freaking choke you out. Because, bro, when you know you can't tap, your defense changes. It becomes primal, you know? You're like, you're trying to get out. But when you know you can tap, you're like, and then you just tap. You know what I mean? It's different, bro. Very different. So... It kind of preps you for that. Obviously, an armbar or something else, I, w- I would never, in training, I'd tap because it's your elbow, you know? But from a rear naked choke, man, like, I don't know, I believe no one should be able to choke you out. You should always be able to get out. So, where are you from? This is a weird question. Where are you from in Iran and Turkey specifically? My dad's from Tehran and my mum's from uh, Izmir in Turkey. I see. Okay. And uh, when did your family come to Australia? Um, like in 1990s. I see. So you're like, you're like, um, relatively new to like Australia. Well, no, I was born here, bro. I was born here. Yeah, no, of course you were born here, but like, uh, 1990, you get what I'm saying? So what was the story behind them uh, leaving? Well, bro, my, my dad left because of the revolution in Iran and my mum moved here um, you know, to just have a better life, bro. It's life's tough overseas, man. It's not the same. Um, so they, they came here to have a better life, bro. That's it. You were talking to me about the mental component of fighting, like how fucking difficult it is. And then just, we just saw Volkanovski at the top of the sport. Dude, he's having, um, some sort of like episode. I don't know what the fuck was going on with him, but he was like really, really, um, mentally not there and then he accepted the islam makachev fight on short notice because he i don't know what it was what he was thinking he was kind of feeling like he needed to stay active so he um i don't know didn't get depressed or some shit i don't know what the fuck was going on but he was basically saying all of that and then he took the fight on short notice and lost so what do you what do you think about that uh performance and what do you think about like our fighters mental going into the fight like what did you what was the key takeaway for you well bro like your mental is everything in fighting bro fighting is 80 percent mental and it's 20 percent physical and bro anyone who does mma and fights is not normal bro like there's something wrong with them in the head like compared to other people you know um and i think volk needs that bro he needs to fight to to have purpose in his life and that chapter in his life is closed there. So he's not fighting. Like right now, bro, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm like, fuck, I don't know what to do today. Like I just went to the gym and did weights. And I was like, fuck, I don't even know why I'm here. I just want to spar someone. I would love to fight right now again tonight. Tomorrow night, I would love to fight again. Every Why? What the, what the, fu- what the fuck is wrong with fighters? Why don't you focus on some other shit? Like, I don't know, read a book. Well, bro, like, it's just it's like it's a sick obsession like i'm just obsessed about it i don't stop thinking about it you you don't get you don't get the same dopamine kick from doing anything else like what if you bungee cord off the fucking bridge it's not it's not even the dopamine here it's more about the like like (laughs) i just i'm I'm freaking out (laughs) that's yeah like fighting is shit when you're shit at fighting honestly I used to get so much anxiety sparring in that because I used to get bashed all the time. But, like, when you can fucking bang, bro, i like, oh, I just love it. It's mad. Yeah. Oh, I love the fight. And he's like, I reckon, like, yeah. I don't want to 
fight, bro. He has nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose. Absolutely fuck all to lose. He's got an upper weight class to fight one of the best, bro. Why the fuck not? I was looking at your Instagram. I saw that you look so different. Can you can you answer me? Why do you look so different in such a short amount of time? What are you doing? What do you mean? You look so different. You grew a beard. Your hairline's moving around. Like you look different, <laughs> brother. <laughs> well, bro, the beard. I've always had a beard, but uh, bro, I shaved my head because uh, I got over the freaking long hair, bro. Um. Yeah, no, just a different look, you know, different, different phase of my life. Um, yeah, man. Just for change is good sometimes, you know. How many title fights have you done so far? So this that last time was my second one, so I have got two titles now. Uh, the welterweight, lightweight belt. I see. So you're a double champion. Would you fight um like the rest of your career at welterweight, or would you just want to stay at lightweight? Um, bro, honestly, uh. Uh, I like lightweight, bro. Lightweight's my division, man. Um, uh, welterweight's fine too, but I think I'm a bit small for welterweight, bro. Because um, the welterweight, like the professional welterweight, they're pretty big, man. Like the, their frames are quite large. But, bro, at the end of the day, like, um, I don't give a fuck. I'll, whatever my managers and coaches tell me to do, I'll do, bro. Topical question, yet Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. That shit sold less than the least selling pay-per-view in UFC history. It sold like 80k pay-per-view buys or some shit, which is fucking atrocious, right? So, do you think boxing's dead? No, boxing's not Boxing isn't dead, but who the fuck would pay to watch Tyson Fury versus the Francis Ngannou straight out? Like, I don't know. Like, that's one of those things you're like, oh, I'll just wait to see the highlights. You know what I mean? No one gives a fuck. Like, it's going to be a rig fucking decision regardless. Tyson Fury would never be, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, you know? When have you used your engineering degree in the cage? Um, every time I fight, <laughs> I fight, bro, and then I pick my shots and I engineer ways to break people's faces, bro. That's about it. <laughs> when did you go to the MMA factory? When? When did you? Uh, bro, the day of my fight, bro. Do you want to know what happened? Well, I, I was looking for my cup, like my grind guard, and I, and I couldn't find that. And I was like, fuck. And, um... The me and the owner of that Matt factory, bro, we're like, we'll fight. I called him, I go, bro, I don't have a cup, bro, I need a cup. And I hate, I hate cups because they're, they're usually wide that they dig into my eyes and it's so uncomfortable. So I had to go there that day with my fly and get a new cup and it was actually so good, bro. It's like I wasn't even wearing one. When did you uh, meet Chris Fairtex? Chris Fairtex, it's a while ago, bro. And came in the gym with the you know. He came to my fire actually. Are you still in contact with him? Yeah. Why it's do you best, hate bro. Taekwondo? Me Taekwondo. Fuck Taekwondo. Yeah, why do you why do you dislike <laughs> it? Tell me about why you called out Matt Frivola. Oh bro. Fuck, I was just talking about that. So bro <laughs> The first time I went to Thailand, yeah, I went two days earlier than all the boys. Because, like, I like exploring places by myself. Like, I like to be in my own company. And I went to a, uh, a Muay Thai session. And this fucking, this freaking American, like, like loser with a bandana was next to me in the class. And he was shadow boxing and I was shadow boxing. And everyone was, like, had a real MMA style. And me and him were, like, bouncing around, you know. I mean, sorry, I had, me and him had an MMA style and everyone was more Muay Thai. And then, bro... We sparred at the end of the class, and bro, while I was, when I was sparring him, I was like, bro, this guy's so shit, and I was taking my, I was really, like, taking it easy on him, and this was three years ago, bro, so I wasn't even that good, and um, after the class, bro, these guys walked up to him, and they, they took a, they were taking photos with him, like, these people in the class, and bro, I'm just looking from afar, and I'm like, bro, who the fuck is this flop, like, why are they taking photos with him, and then... Bro, I look at I look at on Ty, on Tiger Muay Thai's Instagram. They've they've got a photo of him. They're like, oh, thank you for Matt Ravola for coming to Tiger Muay Thai to train. 
And I took on his page and, bro, he's in the UFC. I was like, what the fuck? I go, bro, I'm fucking... You're joking. I go, bro, like, I, honestly, bro, if I wanted to pump him, it would have been so easy. And now I'm thinking about it. Like, if I ever fought him now, like, if I fought him tomorrow, brother, I'll annihilate this guy. You don't understand. I've got a question for you. So, if he's in the UFC and he's doing well against, like, Drew Dober and Shins, Drew fucking fought Makachev, right? That's your skill level. But don't you think that maybe it was just a stylistic thing that you could pump that style? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, what, what about, what about the, the other styles? Thing is, brother, that's why I call myself a look see do fire because I'll I'll always adapt to what I need to be like who I'm versing. Like if I'm versing someone I need to wrestle with, I'll wrestle with him. You know, I'm not I'm willing to do whatever I gotta do to win that fight in an entertaining way. Love that. How many HSPs do you consume after your fights? Brother, you know what? I just had one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're talking shit. I'm at a kebab shop right now. <laughs> I actually can't believe you because I was when I saw that, I was like, Iran and Turkey. I was like, dude, I was like, this is the two biggest nationalities for HSPs. I go, I swear to God, if this guy says more than three, like, we've got an issue. <laughs> That's so funny he said that. I'm pulling a kebab shop. Why do you do so many deadlifts? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Why do you do so many deadlifts? Um, I don't know. It's, it feels hectic. Should they put you in GDA 6? Yeah, it's fucking over. <laughs> 100%. Drive by. <laughs> <laughs> how many... How, what's your favourite knockout from your career? <laughs> my favourite my favorite knockout? Uh, my first fight, bro. That was hectic. That's all we have time for, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Hood, for coming on the show. Is there any final remarks you want to say to the listeners at home uh, as we wrap up the podcast? Guys, I just want to thank all everyone that supports me. Um, I want to thank everyone that hates on me. I want to thank everyone that, that just tunes in. And, um, guys, just don't forget, do your, be yourself, do your thing, um, and, and, never, and never quit what you want to do. Always believe in yourself. And make sure you smile and wave. (laughs) (laughs) Follow Hood on Instagram. Link in the description. And follow Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time. Boom.